Welcome to Equosity, the podcast about all things equine with a special emphasis on the horse-human bond. My name is Alexandra Kurland. I'm the author of The Click That Teaches, a step-by-step guide in pictures, and many other books and DVDs on clicker training. I'm normally joined by Dominique Day, but this week we're sharing the second half of a recording that was made in 2019. I was at Cindy Martin's at her farm in Arkansas for that clinic. Mary Hunter was one of the participants. Mary is our co-presenter in our new Equosity Listen and Learn audio course, an introduction to behavioral analysis. If you want to learn more about the course, visit our website, equosity.com. You can read more about it, and you can also sign up for the course there. Because budgets are tight for many people right now, we're giving a 50% discount off the regular price. That offer is good through May 31, 2020. At last year's clinic, Mary was able to stay over, so on Tuesday morning, before we both had to leave, we sat down for what turned into a very long conversation. The only reason we stopped when we did was because I had to catch a plane. Last week, we talked about emotional behavior and the window that gives us into the emotions that someone else may be experiencing. The conversation led us to Portal, and that's when I interrupted the podcast. Mary is truly our Portal master, and I wanted everyone to be fresh coming into this part of the discussion. When Mary was working on her master's degree, at the University of North Texas. Every week, the graduate students in the behavioral analysis department would get together to play Portal. Actually, when Mary started, it would have been Kay Lawrence's table game that Kay calls Janabacap that they were playing. But under Jesus's direction, the table game morphed into Portal, the Portable Operant Research and Teaching Lab. What Jesus was beginning to see was that Kay's original training game could be used in his classes to help his students understand the principles of behavior. Table games have always been used to help handlers improve their teaching skills, but now they could also be used to conduct research. So the way that it was played gradually shifted away from the way that it was originally used when Kay was developing it for her students. Mary's master's degree used Portal to investigate the effects of what are commonly referred to as desperation clicks. What effect can one bad click, one one out-of-context click, have on the rest of your training? Rather than frustrate lab rats, Mary used her fellow students to explore this question. Her research was originally published as her master's thesis, and then last year it appeared as a journal article in the Journal of Experimental Analysis of Behavior. In 2019, she and Dr. Jesus Rosales-Ruiz also published the Portal Manual. The manual shares lessons that were developed over seven years of teaching in both undergraduate and graduate courses and also in professional workshops. I've had the very great treat of playing Portal with Mary, 
And that's what we're going to be describing as we pick up again in this week's podcast. So what would I read as, what does happy look like? What does calm look like? What does, I've got it, I understand it look like? And if I'm not sure, one of the great ways of figuring it out is to go play Portal and to watch people, what people do. And that'll help you to identify it. We've talked about Portal, but not everybody's going to know about Portals. And since Mary is here, Mary, do you want to do a quick, what is Portal? Okay, yeah, so just a real quick, what is Portal? So Portal is a tabletop shaping game for humans. So you have one person who plays the role of the teacher or the trainer, one person who plays the role of the learner. You have a collection of small objects that the learner can interact with. So you may have some blocks or a toy car, a little slinky, a top, a bell, and you pick a behavior to teach the learner and then when the learner does and they don't you can't tell them you can't use any words um, but when they do the correct behavior or approximations to the correct behavior you click and then they get a little block or a little token and so we can practice shaping behaviors and we can practice um, teaching different things and exploring different concepts just in the same way we do with the horses or the dogs, but we're doing it with another human as the learner. And the, one of the big advantages of this is that then after the teaching's done, the learner can tell us how they felt at different stages. They can tell us when they were confused, what we specifically did that made them feel confused or, or feel like they should be doing something different than we wanted. So we can get really interesting feedback um, that can then help us be more thoughtful when we're working with the animals. And PORTAL stands for the, the Portable Operant Research and Teaching Lab, which is how it got to be that portal. So one of the things that you've talked about is how you develop a really clean shaping procedure. So we showed to the group, we showed that wonderful video that people can find on YouTube on conditional chains. So they Google either your name and conditional chains or just conditional chains on YouTube, they'll turn it up. But it's just a gorgeous, gorgeous, very clever piece of shaping where you present the cue, and which is a card, and the person rolls the dice. And depending upon what number comes up on the dice, they then push the dice to the left, to the right, up or down. Now, you think about how in the world are you going to shape that, train that? And the shaping procedure that is in that video clip, it just goes so smoothly. That's just, it's easy on the learner. It's, it just unfolds in this elegant, elegant way. But the first time you approach that, I'm sure it wasn't as elegant, that what you've done is you've worked with you, you start out, you work out the first iteration, you talk with your trainee, you figure out how to do it better, you go to the next person, you work out the procedure, and over time, that procedure becomes cleaner and cleaner and cleaner, which is what we do with the horses as well, and that our learners understand certain components that makes it then easy to use that those concepts, those learning concepts, so that they can learn 
new and complex behaviors. So in this clinic, uh, we actually weren't playing portal. It was at the end of the night. It was probably 10.30 at night. Most of the people had already done the sensible thing of going to bed and you had your portal kit on the table and I said to you, Mary, portal, I want, I never get to be the learner. So you shaped me to do what would sound like a very complex behavior at first and it evolved uh, the dice and the rolling of the dice and stacking but I had to turn the dice to a three or a five as I recall. What did, what did you have me do? Well, that was the second night. That was the second night? What was yeah. the first one? So the first night, you had I gave you three small objects and the slinky. And you had to right. And you had to the, you had to turn over the three small objects in any order. So order wasn't important, but they had to all three be turned over and then once they were turned over, they had to be put in the slinky. Again, in any order, they just all had to end up in there. And then the second night, you had to turn the black dice, not roll, but turn slowly on the table the black dice until the five was on top, and then turn the yellow dice until the three was on top, and then stack the two dice on top of each other. Right. Yes, and so the people who were watching, because we did have some people who were, had stayed with us, and what they were seeing is the elegance of training component skills. And that when you train the component skills, you can then assemble very complex behaviors. And we were also seeing the use of concepts. So once you have the concept of in this game, sometimes I will be pushing an object to a block. So if I have that concept of push to push an object and push it to a block, it makes it very easy to train a whole set of behaviors. When Mary presented me with the first object on the first game and I got reinforced for turning it, I had a general concept of turn and flip. So it was very easy for me to stay on that behavior. And also I, could, I knew how to test, is it this? So if I try this other thing, no, you didn't click me, I'm going to immediately leave that and go back to this was the successful piece. This really was what you wanted. So it was a it was a great way for people to see some very core elements that go into creating the kind of horse or dog animal that we want who is a good learner. Kind of going along with that, one interesting thing from the portal that translates back to the animals is that there's in order for the portal learner to learn a complicated behavior pretty quickly there's components pieces or component things that you have to teach the learner and make sure they understand those concepts or those components and then once you have those components it's easy to start assembling things but but as well there's components that the trainer has to have in their repertoire too. So like one example would be, um, one thing we often do in Portal is if you want a certain action, you may not start off with the final object, you start off with an object that makes that action really easy to do. So when I, when I taught Alex to flip over these three different objects, I didn't start with 
those objects because she, she, I don't remember. I think one was a button and one was a Lego and one was something else. But if I gave her a Lego, she's not going to immediately flip it over. She's going to do a whole bunch of other things with it. But so what you wanted me to twirl. So you gave me a twirly, a, a, a top that twirls. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so if I, if, yeah. So when I wanted her to turn something over, I started by giving her a car that was turned upside down. She looked at it, picked it up and flipped it right side up. And then I could, I got that turning action and then I could generalize that to other objects. But so that's kind of a core component skill for the teacher, being able to look at the portal objects and see which action would this object inspire. And if you don't have that component in your repertoire as a teacher, then you give the learner a Lego and you want them to turn it over and you have to shape it bit by bit or wait for extinction and wait for variability. But Or you want them to push a dice. A push a dice. What are they what is someone <laughs> going to do with a dice? Roll it. You know, flip it. Well they're gonna you're gonna you're gonna put it in your hand and, and drop it on the table because that's what you do with dice. But yeah. you're not likely to push it or, or or a Lego block. You're not you're not as likely to push the Lego block as you are to push a car a toy car. But but so that's just like all the component behaviors that the trainer needs to work with the horses you know you if you don't have the rope handling if you don't know how to hold the target if you don't have the component skill of how to deliver the reinforcers then even if you have what looks like a good set of shaping steps it gets really messy really quickly so there's component skills we teach the learner but then we also need to recognize that there's component skills that we need as a trainer in order to be effective Boy, do I second that because you immediately I'm thinking about the DVD series because each lesson within my DVD series is built on the previous lesson. And I'm assuming, you know, when you, I'm assuming that if you're watching lesson three, that you've watched lesson one and two. And if you've watched lesson, if you're watching lesson five, that and you've not watched just the, watch them, that you've worked through that you've the worked exercises. Through them because because that allows me then to add new material in lesson number five. If you've, if, but if I have to, in lesson number five, repeat everything that came before, I'd never be able to get to new material. But if you jump in to the middle, there are going to be a lot of components that you're not going to understand. And it won't make any sense. And you'll be thinking, what? I haven't a clue. She's... I haven't a clue what she's talking about. Instead, you go systematically through because that's how that's how you go through a shaping process so that the emotional behavior that you see is the emotional behavior that you want to see. Along that line, there was a great example this weekend at the clinic. There's a fabulous woman who has attended all of the clinics here that I've hosted with Alex, and she has the cutest pony he it's just words can't describe how adorable he is but he was a rescue pony he came with a tremendous amount of unpleasant learning history and emotional baggage and this weekend she was working on haunches in using a target him bringing his haunches to the target stick as he went down the rail in the arena you know, on the one hand, somebody could say, oh, it's so easy to teach a horse to 
target his hip to an to you know a ball on the end of a stick but when that pony first came to the clinics he could not stand still during a session a person could not stand next to him while his rider was on him because people used to put children on him and then chase him to make him go with the child on board. So a person near him was a suggestion, a predictor of some kind of threat. And he would actually aggress on a person standing next to him. And his owner has done so much gentle, gradual, careful work, doing the foundation lessons, paying really careful attention to the emotional component, the emotional criteria along with those actually the physical observable behaviors, but what visible emotional components are there to the point where now he can stand calmly and wait Alex was able to stand next to him, hold out the, the hip target, and wait for him to take a step and move his hip toward the target, click, reinforce him. It was just beautiful, beautiful to see. And somebody might say, oh, I could have taught my horse that years ago, months ago. That's an easy thing to do. But to have him so calm and quiet and his you could see his rider was paying attention to how he felt how the movements felt and she would make comments about how each little little effort felt which one felt better and paying attention and then they switched so that she was holding the target and he would move his hip into it and she would click so to the casual observer, that would have probably looked kind of interesting, not terribly sexy, because it was very slow, it was very deliberate, it was very methodical. It was very cool. <laughs> but, but knowing that pony and all of the work that his owner has done with him, and she works in isolation, she doesn't live near Alex she doesn't live terribly close to me and yet she's just kept working away with him and always paying attention to that um, the emotional behaviors or the emotional component of the behavior she's teaching to the point where he can stand there quietly deliberately move his hindquarters toward a, an object as he's taking a step forward it was really exciting to see and he got the greatest compliment of all, which is that some of the other clinic participants wanted to sneak him into their horse trailer and take him home with them. <laughs> so, um, and you know, it's it's those huge changes when you go from an animal that is not okay going into strange environments, is not okay in the uh, having people doing anything with him really except leaving him alone to this transformation it's just really really fun to watch we missed getting on the mic so you could hear it a comment about what happens when the emotional behavior doesn't match the behavior you want well i think that's a good time to to think about cindy's rule 
of I'm only going to change one aspect, one part of the behavioral cycle at a time, what do I need to go back to or how do I need to simplify this so that I'm back into a training loop in which I'm seeing the emotional behavior that matches what I want to train and what I would like to see. Because there are times when I want energy and there are times when I want what I would call calm. So does the emotional behavior match what I want to see in this context? Right, but that doesn't mean that you you stop training. I mean, if we sort of sit around and wait for the horse to feel good, we're, we're never getting anywhere, and we may not do anything that's going to make him feel better. But if we can retreat back to having him do simple known behaviors with a reinforcement process that he knows and he trusts, he can trust that reinforcement process. I've often found that then the horse can begin to settle down, and then I can go and say, now can we do this in another part of the training space? Can we, so I can play around with location. I can play around with, and then and I can say, okay, now we'll go back to the place where you're most comfortable, and I can begin to work on another familiar behavior. And then I can say, and now can I introduce this thing that I thought I wanted to work on at the beginning, but we had to, you know, go through this process to help you settle in and become more comfortable and proceed from there. So we had three horses here this weekend who had never been at Cindy's before. And so what we did on the first day was we thought emotionally these horses are not going to be comfortable working in the arena for their very first session on the very first morning. So we'll work with them in their stalls. So that was our plan. Um, but two of the horses who had came come together from they you know their their two owners brought them here together. We started working with them in the stalls, but the way Cindy's stalls are set up, they couldn't see each other because there's a solid wall. So we had to take a step back and go, you know what, even this is not the right. And you know we could have just kept training and hoped that things would sort themselves out. But the way the barn is set up, there's pens behind the stalls. So on the very first morning, we were able to go around the outside to the back of the pens and work them at the beginning back there, where we were in protected contact, the owners were in protected contact working with the horses, but the horses could, could see each other. So I think it's, I think you, when you make your plan originally, you want to be thoughtful and try to set things up so that you're going to have an environment that will generate the emotional state that you want. But then if you're getting things that are not what you want at all, you try to see how you can make adjustments that'll make it easier for the horse to to give you the behaviors and the emotional behaviors that, that you want. That's right. With these two horses, they were competition horses. And what we very quickly realized is for them, going away to a strange barn triggers we're about to go into competition. And apparently when they travel to the competition, they would see this very agitated behavior. So to be able to work them with them to create 
calm behavior in a strange environment was really important for these horses. And by having that flexibility of saying, well, the, the stall isn't going to be a good starting point, what would be a good starting point? We were able to create quite a shift for them over the course of the three days, which was really fun to see, really fun to see. On the third day, we had two calm horses working out in the arena. On the second day, we did not have calmness when they were in the arena. By the third day, we did. So because we had built more component skills that the horses could use and we'd set up. And that the, the handler could use. And that the handler could use. And we'd done a better job with antecedent arrangements. And you know, knowing now what we, what we'd collected enough data to know what we're now working with. So we, it's what we were talking about in the portal with each, each uh, session with the horses helped us to create a better shaping plan for the next shaping plan. And on that note, I think it, this is the stage at which we'll say, we have a plan, I have a plane to catch. And so we're going to say goodbye and I'm going to head off and catch my, my plane. Shaping plans, component parts, errorless learning, loopy training. We could have gone on for hours, but the airlines run on their own schedule. So that's where we had to leave it. One year later, I have to say, it does feel very strange to be talking about flying anywhere. The coronavirus shut all of that down here in New York back in March. We're only just beginning to very tentatively open things up here in this state. I know most of you listening to this have been under similar restrictions. So this is a really great time to do some virtual learning. To learn more about Portal, go to behavioralexplorer.com. You can order the manual, you can read about desperation clicks, and you can also see some really neat videos that use Portal. If you have children home from school, the Portal manual may be a real lifesaver for you. It can provide you not just with hours of great entertainment, but you'll also be learning. You'll be learning a lot about behavior, and so will your children. And speaking of learning about behavior, if you're interested in our new Listen and Learn audio course on behavioral analysis, go to our website, equosity.com. You can read more about the course, and you can also sign up for it. Again, that's equosity.com. This week and the last couple weeks, I've been sharing with you some recordings that were made at one of my clinics. The coronavirus has meant that we can't hold the usual spring clinics, at least not in the usual way, but that doesn't mean we can't meet up virtually. May 29 through 31, I'm going to be holding a virtual clinic. It's being organized by Rebecca Schultz, who would have been organizing a clinic for me in North Carolina. We can't gather there in person, but we can get together via our computers. We'll be meeting Friday evening, May 29, for introductions. And then on Saturday and Sunday, we'll work together. We'll, the format is going to be a mix of presentations, discussions, and during the breaks, 
participants will have time to work on training assignments with their horses, or if they can't get to their horses with the family dog, the family cat, the family children, whoever happens to be hanging around. I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be a small group because I want to make this truly an interactive experience. So it's not going to be just another webinar where you are passively sitting at your computer watching. You're really going to have an opportunity to become deeply involved in the discussions. And that's very much what happens at the clinics. So if you'd like to learn more, email me and I'll connect you with Rebecca. I think that's it for announcements. So just to summarize, go to BehaviorExplorer.com for portal. Go to Equosity.com for the new Listen and Learn audio course. Remember, we have a discount on the price of the course. So it's 50% off and that's good through May 31, 2020. That's because I know people are on tight budgets for the with the coronavirus. So we definitely wanted to take that into account. And then for the virtual clinic, go to my website, theclickercenter.com to connect with me about the clinic. And that clinic is May 29 through 31. So thank you for listening and stay well. <laughs>